0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host. And today we have a special episode um, regarding the current times that we're in, the current month that we're in, uh, for those of you that read the title before clicking on this. And uh, today I just want to talk a little bit about, um, in a relatively shorter episode, um, the Christian response to gay pride, or the Christian response to the LGBT plus movement. It's something that's uh, very relevant, it's something that uh, needs to be talked about, and uh, it's something that uh, unfortunately a lot of churches today are are gravely failing at. So hopefully uh, today we can kind of discuss a couple of things um, just to kind of point out and have in mind when we're uh, dealing with such a topic. But before we jump into the episode, I do want to make a couple of announcements uh, first and foremost, nothing new, um, I guess, nothing new for for those of you who have been listening, but you can follow us for any and all updates on our Instagram account, the Potter's, at The Potter's House. And uh, regarding streaming, we're available on multiple platforms, most notably Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, if you listen to any of those platforms and uh, you have yet to leave a five-star review or uh, leave a written review, please do so. Uh, I believe Apple Podcasts allows you to not only uh, tap the stars, but also leave a written review. And uh, typically, if you write one of those, I'll read them out loud on here. And I do have a recent one that is titled Good Content, Relevant and Insightful Christian Podcast." Marcus is a great host. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you guys for for all of you. Thank you for writing those reviews and for for supporting in that. I I really appreciate it. And it's really encouraging. Um, Spotify also similarly allows you to tap the stars. So, If you've done so on one platform and you have the other app, uh, you know, I'd really appreciate it. It really helps. Like I said, don't know why, but I guess there's an algorithm out there. So uh, that's that. Um, Yeah, I think that's all of the announcements I have for now. But um, as you guys know, we're kind of ending the month of June right now. And I was kind of planning to release this episode a little earlier, but with scheduling and everything, uh, I barely kind of squeezed it in here in the month of June. Um, But if you have eyes and ears and uh, doesn't matter how old you are or what rock you've been living in, everyone knows, if you live in the United States, that uh, the month of June is called Pride Month. It's something that uh, we as Christians almost uh, begrudgingly anticipate uh, when we have to deal with certain things, when we have to uh, see these news reports or have to just continue to see a lot of... Um, Churches fail at recognizing that what is sin and what is permissible in in the bride of Christ, and uh, it's something that um, you know we can't wait until it's finished. But it, it just con- seems to continue because, um, as we know, society, mankind is just becoming more depraved, more depraved. And um, I mean, that's the cycle of life. You know, and when you live in a godless nation, and a godless society, and a godless culture, that's the direction that we're going to go into. But the problem and the issue and the reason why I wanted to do this episode is not to prove to you that homosexuality is a sin because um as far as most of my listeners out there, I'm sure we can come to a consensus and agreement that uh, that is the case. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the Christian response to to um certain things, you know, um how we should respond are we to love the person? how do we? How do we navigate? Um, What's the nuance there? How do we deal with someone who, who is living in that lifestyle, as in our workplace, or maybe, uh, maybe you have mutual friends, or or maybe you have an opportunity to invite them to church, or maybe they go to a, quote unquote, Christian church where they accept and promote that kind of lifestyle. So uh, that's kind of why I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, just because I believe in our community specifically. though we all have an agreement, though we don't really have to argue, what is a sin and what is not in this context, um, I believe that we weren't really properly trained and informed on how to deal with this in a real life situation. Uh, Like the examples I'd mentioned earlier, if you have someone in your classroom who, um, you know, back in back in my day, when I was in school, that wasn't really the case, because, um, you know, it wasn't as open and promoted. But nowadays, you may have uh, kids, or maybe you, you're young and you're in high school or something, and you're seeing, you know, a few of your classmates who are, um, participating in this, who are living in this lifestyle and you don't know how to address it. You don't know how to be a Christian, how to be a light. Um, that's kind of why I want to do this episode. That's why I kind of want to make sure that we know where to draw the line, how to draw the line, when to do it, and, uh, basically set boundaries for ourselves so that we don't compromise in our beliefs as well when we're dealing with, um, this sort of situation. So that's why, you know, see where we can separate how to deal with it, how to respond to it, um, how ch- churches and, and pastors should deal with it. Um, just a little bit of a side note. Um, I know a few days ago or last week, I should say, um, there was that big Roe v. Wade, uh, overruling by the Supreme court. And, uh, that's kind of the hot topic right now. And, uh, kind of drew a lot of attention away from the, from the gay pride parades. But, um, I just want to say that I am celebrating that. I am celebrating the fact that, um, I guess, federally, uh, the federal government is not going to force states to legalize um, abortion. Now it's up to the states. Um, Unfortunately, maybe about a little under half of the states will either ban or restrict abortion, and other states, such as uh, the state that I currently live in, in California, are not only going to promote it, accept it, but make it so accessible that uh, I believe our tax our tax money is gonna fund a lot of out of state abortions, and it's it's um it's still a battle. you know, there's still a lot of things that are out there. Um, and uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna be able to release an episode and talk about that because um, this is just the beginning. I mean, it, what happened last Friday was a miraculous move of God. um it's it's nothing else, considering the times that we live in considering the direction that this world is going and considering, Everything that's happened in life to have this kind of reversal is is miraculous. It is divine. It is it is it is nothing else but to, to God's glory, and we have to recognize that it's 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 no human. It's no person. It's no uh, political party. It's it's God alone who who had His hand on this, and um, that's why we hear the demons screeching uh, out there on the freeways, on the uh, in front of the the government buildings. I mean, it's it's abhorrent. It is crazy. It is um disgusting to see just the true sinful nature of some people and how evil or how how much evil they have allowed into their lives to be expressed to them and how how many demons are possessing these people it's uh unfathomable so um hopefully we can get an episode regarding that um i believe you know the whole the you know the pro choice people and the pro lgbt people kind of fall in a similar category and um And there are similarities that we can see, so hopefully in these next couple of episodes we can kind of delicately but profoundly um, and boldly draw the lines and kind of set a path forth for the Christians to walk in so that there isn't any confusion or ambiguity uh, regarding on how we're to live our lives. You know, we cannot compromise. We have to live according to the Scripture. We have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And uh, it doesn't matter how bad culture and society gets out there, we cannot allow ourselves our communities, our families, and yes, even our churches to be influenced by the culture. So that's just a little bit of a side note. So um, yes, back to the LGBT. So just a couple of things. Um, I do want to just mention a few verses. Again, I'm not going to be here to prove why it is a sin, but I do want to mention a few verses uh, just because a lot of people in either who are new to the faith or go to a a false church, or, or in the world, or maybe they have a religious upbringing or background, um, and they've kind and they've since left um, that environment. Uh, one argument that they bring forth is that, oh, you know, Jesus never said anything against homosexuality. Only only Apostle Paul says that, or they say, oh, um, in the it, that was back in the Old Testament, and then they kind of point out they point point out a few other laws in the Old Testament that are that are. Have been nullified that are void now because of the coming of Christ, and they say that now even the moral law is permissible um, after Christ. You know, so so they kind of point to that. But I do want to mention a couple of verses to kind of um, kind of set the stage to make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, First verse, I mentioned like about five of them, but the first verse is um, you know Leviticus eighteen twenty-two, and it says, "You shall not lie with a male as with a woman; it is an abomination." Now, this is the verse that a lot of people, a lot of liberals point to, to say that, um, you know, they compare this command with other commands that are no longer applicable to us, and they say that those are all gone, you know, none of those apply to us anymore. But it's important to note that in those times, under the Mosaic law, there were three different types of laws. There was the civil law, there was the ceremonial law, and then there was the moral law. Now the civil law was more so with uh, you know governing officials, um, how, basically how do you live your life, how to govern over the the people, just because you had you know you had millions of people and you had to deal with them with their um, with their wants, with their complaints, with everything. So you had the civil law to kind of set that into stage. Next, uh, you had the ceremonial law, and this had to be this was uh, more regarding with their clergy, with the priests, what to do. Um, with their own version of of atoning for sins, which, by the way, yes, is not applicable today because Christ was nailed to the cross, and that's where our sins grow if we are in him. Um, but, you know, things of those nature. So, a lot of the laws that we see in the book of Leviticus fall under the the civil and the ceremonial law. And now that we live not only in a different country, in a different world, yes, those civil laws don't apply to us anymore. And now that we are um, you know, a part of the bride of Christ, we are part of the church. Yes, those ceremonial laws don't apply to us anymore. Um, we can agree on that. However, there's a good chunk of Leviticus and and pretty much the entire the entirety of the of the um, Ten Commandments that deals with moral law, and morals, as we know in Scripture and in and in our churches, never changes right? Morals come from God. God, God. This is God's law. And that cannot change no matter the circumstance, no matter um, what government we live on, no matter uh, what country we live in, no matter um, if it's before Christ or after Christ, whatever. Morals stay the same. The law stays the same. And actually, if you look at every moral command in Scripture, you can always tie it back to the original Ten Commandments um, through some sort of uh, derivation. It always derives from there. So the moral law including this one in verse 8 uh, chapter 18 verse 22 about not lying with a male as with the woman therefore it is it is an abomination this is a part of the moral law it is not civil which doesn't apply to us anymore it is not ceremonial which does not apply to us anymore it is part of the moral law which still applies yesterday today and tomorrow and forever and uh, which is why we needed Christ to come on this earth to die for us so that his righteousness can be imputed over us, and that we may be accepted into God's kingdom because of that. So, um, just wanted to put put that out there. The moral law stays the same forever; it doesn't uh, doesn't change with the times. It is immutable, if we can say. So, um, next verse is First Corinthians six nine through eleven. Or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality so um in this and obviously it continues the list now there's a couple other verses that we see even in first timothy um where it says like none of these will inherit the kingdom of god and then it makes a whole list um it's important to know guys that yeah maybe maybe you know the sexual immorality or the homosexuality is something that maybe you didn't really struggle with but um it also mentions idolaters adulterers um and, and other things uh, slanderers murderers liars and slavers perjurers all these things so just because you don't struggle with one of things these things and m- maybe you're very quick to judge people on certain sins um, but if any of these other sins apply to you then you're in the same boat you're in the same category it doesn't matter how holy you are in one part of your life um, you can never be you by yourself holy enough to enter God's kingdom only Christ can make you holy through his righteousness so uh, just just a little side note over there, but we see in Scripture basically including homosexuality um, under this blanket, under this clause of, of not entering God's kingdom, right? That that And this is sin that needs to be repented from. Now, at this point, these liberal scholars, what they do is they, they don't really challenge the, uh, at least from what I've seen, they don't really challenge the translation too much. At this point, they challenge the... Um, Inerrancy of Scripture, the in, the inerrancy of God's Word, and what what inerrancy means uh, basically that um, it is without error, it is perfect. There is no uh, verse that contradicts another. It is it is God's Word and it is perfect and it stands the test of time. That's what inerrancy means. Uh, now, when they challenge that, they say that oh, this is just the opinion. Oh, this wasn't um, you know Holy Spirit inspired. This was just uh, one man's opinion on on this. Or or they say like, oh, that only applied to those times. Now we live in different times. We have, f- quote unquote, freedom in Christ to do whatever we want, which that is not the case, because if you read Romans 6, uh, you are not free in anything. You, you're either a slave to sin or you're, you're a slave to righteousness. Um, so that's also important to note. But um, you know, just with the interest of time, I, I have a couple other verses, but I'm not going to read them just because they kind of fall under the same nature. But the point is, homosexuality, which is I guess um, a perversion of of, uh, of sexual immorality is a part of the moral law. It still applies today as it applied thousands of years ago, and it's it's a sin that needs to be repented from, and uh, it's it's uh, it's wickedness essentially. So we just want to establish that. Now we know that there have been uh, practices of sexual immorality. Uh, throughout the years, quite rampantly, um, in history. Um, a lot, most people kind of did it, uh, just because it wasn't socially acceptable and culturally acceptable. They kind of did it, uh, privately. Uh, but more recently in the last 30 or so years, did we finally see, um, especially regarding LGBT, um, it being more pronounced, it being more out there, it being more tolerated and therefore celebrated. So, um, you know, the term LGBT was actually coined in 1988 and gained a lot of traction, um, in, in the nineties. So that's when we kind of started having, um, a lot of these, uh, parades, these, the pride stuff, events, all this, all these things. Um, but in those days they were being more tolerated and accepted. Now in 2022, it's, it's being kind of forced upon us in, in, in a way. So, um, it's, things have, have really changed in the last three decades. And, uh, um, you know, first it started with just, you know, ho- homosexuality and now, under that label, under the umbrella of LGBT, um, it's grown to represent a lot more types of either gender identities or sexualities, and uh, and you guys know. I mean, I mean, ten years ago we didn't we didn't have this whole like non-binary nonsense and not you know not you know I, I identify as this. You know, we didn't even have that like 10, 15 years ago. But now we have it. Now it's a hot topic, and it's just going to continue to get worse from here. So. Um, you know, LGBT represents the sinful sexual indulgences of people. The sinful sexual indulgences of people, but LGBT does not necessarily represent the individual. Now, this might sound confusing, but there's a point I want to make with this. We as Christians are called to love the individual, right? You guys know in scripture that we are to love the person but hate the sin. Now, we in scripture and in life have no obligation to reconcile ourselves with LGBT. LGBT is not a person. LGBT is is a banner. It is a symbol of sin, of evil, and of Satan, guys. It is a world system as we see in, in 1 John chapter 2 that the enemy has created, you know, he's considered the prince and the ruler of this world, um, that the enemy created so that he can drag people down. Um, obviously people had, you know, they were in the flesh, they were already sinful to begin with, but, um, over time through, through indulgences, through perversion, through, uh, you know, demonic activity, was he able to finally formulate this, this cult, this, this group, this movement where, Sinners um, and wicked people were united together under one cause, and that's what LGBT represents. It is a banner. Now, um, before we kind of continue, I do want to talk a little bit about banners and what they kind of mean biblically. Um, In Exodus Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, uh, just the context of this verse, the Israelites had already um, left from Egypt, and they were kind of in the wilderness, and the Amalekites were attacking them. And, uh, I mean, it's important to note that these guys didn't really have much military experience. They, they, they didn't really fight wars. They didn't really fight battles too much um, out there. And um, it was a difficult situation for them. So I'm going to start reading from verse 8. Um, and this is what God's Word says. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, the main point of this passage is, is the Lord is my banner. Um, as we see, this is actually uh, interestingly enough. This passage is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible, and later he's going to be mentioned uh, over two hundred, uh, about two hundred times in Scripture. Uh, but this is the first time he was mentioned, and uh, he was the one leading the armies, um, you know, down below uh, in the fight. And Moses went up with his brother Aaron and um, her, uh, H U R, uh, it's the name of a guy. And um, basically, they were interceding on behalf of the army. Now, before any of you uh, wild charismatics out there start saying, like, oh, wow, you know, Moses' hands, as they were lifted up, you know, uh, we prevailed against the enemy, you know, raise up your hands and fight, you know, this and that, uh, relax for a second because that was uh, very symbolic. In in nature, um, what was going on Uh, in in tradition? uh, The way that the Israelites would show their dependence on God and praise God was by lifting up their hands, and you know that's a great thing. But lifting up your hands is a is a physical act. However, the spiritual act that was happening, that was kind of attached with the lifting up of hands, was spiritual intercession, and that's what uh, Moses did, and that's what he needed help from Aaron and her to kind of complete that task because he was getting tired. So um, just to note, because it wasn't Joshua's ar- inexperienced armies armies that defeated Amalek. It wasn't Moses's hands that defeated Amalek. It was the power of God, that him working through these people, through his chosen people that defeated the enemy. And um, after all that was completed, we see that uh, the Lord commands Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it. In the ears of Joshua, that he will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven, and then it says, um, and then Moses built an altar. He called it, "The Lord is my banner," and basically said that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, the reason why we see um, the Lord commanding Moses to uh, recite it in the ears of Joshua, that he will utterly blot them from from the memory, uh, is because, as we know in Scripture, the Amalekites were adversaries and enemies of the Israelites for hundreds of years, for many generations, up to the point of King Hezekiah, who finally um, defeated them. Um, as we know, uh, King Saul actually had an opportunity to wipe out the Amalekites, but he disobeyed God and allowed, um, basically did not wipe them out, allowed them to live. And ironically, he was actually, and he ended up being killed by an uh, Amalekite. And um, as we see in the book of Esther, the, the main, um, I completely forgot his name, but the uh, the main antagonist in um, in, uh, in in the Book of Esther, who is plotting against the Israelites, who wants to get them killed, um, he actually comes from the uh, royal family of the Amalekites. So um, it's just interesting to note that King Saul's disobedience almost resulted in the annihilation of Israel. Uh, but as we know, um, you know Esther was able to uh, intercede uh, in, in her way um, in that book, and then eventually. Uh, generations le- then we see you know under the king of hezekiah he was a- finally able to wipe them out so um, this was an enemy that lasted for generations and uh it's interesting to note that you know Moses built this off uh, this altar and called it the Lord is my banner now what did he do first the situation uh, what this situation describes is that there was a battle that the Lord helped them win it was it was a final battle they won that battle, and he dedicated it to the Lord, and then he basically called this altar the Lord's banner. Now, um, the, the you know the Hebrew translation is Jehovah Nisi. Um, it also means my refuge, and uh, just a couple of things about banners: um, one, they are used to celebrate, to honor, and to commemorate. Right, whenever, um, like for example, when you have a grand opening of a restaurant, you'll have a big banner a big sign that says grand opening this that whenever something happens or maybe at a graduation you'll have um your friends kind of get you a banner to um you know say that like you know you graduated whatever and you'll keep that you'll commemorate that so banners are used to celebrate to honor to commemorate Uh, another thing about banners is that they are visible right you don't have a a small there's no such thing as, as a small banner small banners are just posters Banners are typically pretty big so that they are visible. That's the whole point of a banner, so people can see them. And they're used as an act of declaration. Um, Another thing, a very important, um, I guess, factor uh, or, um, I guess, characteristic of a a banner is that they are used to identify friends from enemies. If you guys know, if you've ever, um, you know, read up on history or even watched a (laughs) historical movie regarding uh, any war or battle typically one, at least one person or a few people from each side, um, from each army um, is, you know, whether they're riding on a horse or they're on foot, is holding up a banner of the country that they're fighting for, right? And that is used to kind of symbolize who they are. And, and typically soldiers um, will have either on their helmet or on their, um, on their breastplate, some emblem that kind of differentiates uh, who's who, you know, And, and it's, Pretty important, especially in battle, because you don't want to attack your 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 friend, and you don't want to let your guard down in front of your enemy. Now, the thing with banner is, and th- banners are, uh, and this applies to the the passage in Exodus that we just read, is that while people come and go, while powers shift, while certain countries come into power, whatever may happen, wh- whether laws get passed or. Or um, you know, whether society condemns a certain lifestyle and then a hundred years later they promote it and celebrate it and indoctrinate people with it. While all those things are movable pieces and they change, banners will remain. Banners will remain. That banner that Moses built that he dedicated to the Lord remained until I mean till until this day, but symbolizing that the Lord will have war with Amalek with the enemy from generation to generation and that banner remained the same that banner was an act of promise it was a declaration and we know it took hundreds of years it took generations for that finally to to happen and today uh you know we have a certain banner that we live under we have we have, we have the scriptures that tell us how to live and too bad today a lot of churches are deviating from the original banner I want to tell you guys today that any deviation to the banner of the Lord that we have under Scripture and, and what the, where the Holy Spirit guides us, any deviation is a false banner. Christ is our banner. And and the way that we we see, uh, we see kind of see those fruits are in the way that we love people and in, in, in the way that we uh, try to live holy lives. And too bad that a lot of churches today, a lot of church leaders have kind of deviated away from that they're they're very self-centered they're all about um you know themselves they'd like to draw attentions to themselves and um because of that they've kind of let their guard down in front of certain adversaries and certain enemies that either attacked them from the front or kind of infiltrated from that infiltrated them from the inside and now we see what has happened um and as i mentioned earlier you know we we the ba- LGBT is a banner. It is not, it doesn't represent a singular person. Uh, and while we are called to love the individual, we are not called to love LGBT. And the reason why I want to say this guys is because, um, I guess over the months and over the years, I've seen a lot of Christian influencers, um, both pastors or, you know, even simple like Instagram people trying to make a business, but they have the the Christian title, right? They try to use scripture to, to make their point. But um, I've seen a lot of them reconcile with LGBT. They they've either put story highlights where they put the all the rainbow flags and and this and that, or, or if they or they've said that oh like I, you know this is how we're supposed to treat them and God loves all this and you know. You know, we would love to hear hear your perspective and just to to listen to your story and and all this. And while some some of that may be good in a certain context, it's it's very misleading to people because what it does is it normalizes um, this kind of relationship. It normalizes um, me, ha- like if for example, if I had a neighbor who was who was gay and they were living with their you know with with that person that they're living in sin with. Um, I don't want to grow up in a society. I don't want to train up my family and my kids to to normalize that, right? As soon as you normalize that, then you kind of let your guard down. Then you're leaving your your armor of God at home when you're going out into the world, either into school or to work or wherever you're going. And that shouldn't be the case. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, under this facade of being loving and being Christian and being Christ-like, a lot of people fall into that trap. And then uh, and I've seen it today. People from my own church, people from other churches that used to be in our communities, who went out into the world, uh, into schools, into workplaces, who kind of separated themselves from the church. Now they're they're promoting all that stuff. Now they're defending all that stuff. And um, you know, we I especially saw it with a lot of Christian pastors. Uh, most recently with this uh, Roe v. Wade situation. Um, you know, I, I was very, I guess, um, particular, and um, I was really paying attention to to social media to see certain pastors especially the ones who went crazy for white supremacy especially those ones to see how they were how they would respond to Roe versus Wade being overruled on last Friday and to my i guess not to my surprise but you know unfortunately uh, a lot of them remained silent um, all these quote unquote women preachers these women pastors which uh, you know under scripture don't exist uh, you know, female eldership is not permitted. And and I believe that. And if you got a problem with that, take it up with scripture. Don't take it up with me. Um, the one way we found to silence them is, you know, (laughs) overrule Roe v. Wade. They're not talking about, I mean, the only person who's talking about it is Paula White, but she's, she's a a nut and she's crazy on her own. So we're not really, you know, we, we don't really care too much about that, but they're all silent about it. Another example I can think of, I believe it was a few years ago where, um, author, pastor uh, Max Lucado, for those of you guys who know him, uh, publicly, uh, I guess, announced, I don't know if it was uh, on stage or, or through through an account or something, but he basically announced a big apology on behalf of the church to the gay community. And um, while this may seem noble and uh, respectful and, uh, I guess, endearing, honorable, uh, to most people, uh, this is something that uh, the church at least from his his point of view should not have to do. Uh, first of all, if you wrong someone individually, uh, not corporately, individually, then yes, by all means you you should apologize, you should uh, apologize for whatever you've done. Obviously if you've, you've commu- if you've communicated the truth to them in a loving way that's that's not abuse, that's truth, that's gospel preaching. But if you do uh, wrong them in a certain way, then uh, absolutely, uh, you know, apologize. However, I mean, when you're a big Christian figure and you're going in public and announcing on behalf of the entire church, which you are just a, a drop in the ocean as far as comparison goes, and you're apologizing not to a single person, not to an individual person, but you're apologizing corporately. To the gay community, to that banner, to the LGBTQ plus whatever, then that's completely wrong. You have no obligation to do that. The gay community, like who are you who are you apologizing to? The church doesn't owe. You know, we don't. We as the church, obviously, you have different members. You have people who are abusive, as we've seen in recent reports. You have people who are fake. You have people who are, uh, I guess, dead spiritually as well or asleep. But you can't apologize on behalf of the entire bride of, bride of Christ, the entire body of Christ, uh, to, a, to the gay community. I mean, if you're, again, if it's a s- single person to a single person, absolutely do so. Uh, be respectful of that person and, and who they are and, and the fact that God loves them and God created them. But corporately, to apologize to a whole community, to a whole banner, to a, to a world system that was developed by the enemy... That is absolute nonsense, and the reason why I'm so adamant about, about talking about this kind of stuff is because we fall into this trap all the time. And when we see our favorite pastors uh, on Twitter or online, and they're doing these things that are commended by the world, then that should raise uh, that should raise your alarm. Listen, the, the reason, and I, I you know I used to be a big Maverick City fan, but the reason why uh, they're loved so much by by both the Christians and the world is because they're not taking a stand on anything. And uh, for those of you that saw a few weeks ago, they actually shared a, uh, an Obama video of him saying something, and they promoted it, and they were celebrating it. And they got so much backlash that they took down the video after a couple of hours. Uh, obviously, they haven't commented on the Roe v. Wade thing and uh, nothing about homosexuality. And uh, it's it's not even a, you know, and I'm sorry to disappoint some of you, but it's not even a, a secret that how self centered they are in the way that they worship they're not worshiping god they're bringing attention to themselves and that's a with a lot of modern christian bands and it's sad to see i wish there were in the case you know they're talented musicians they could use their gifts to glorify god but uh the way that it appears it's bringing a lot of glory to them and you know you you see it now the fruits uh (laughs) the dead the bad fruits that are coming forth out of out of their labor and uh when you know when tough times come to us this is where we see it so uh, like I said, why are we? We don't have to apologize. Like Max Okedo did when he made a mistake. You don't have to apologize corporately to the group. Absolutely not. No. Yes. Individually, do so. But we—they don't. We don't owe them an apology. They—they they are a world system developed by Satan. That's what the community is. Now, that community is made up of certain souls and individuals who need care, who need to hear the truth, who need—who need to see that there are Christians out there who—who who know how to love like Christ did. Absolutely, but collectively, they're not a human being. They're not. They're not a person. They're. They are a group, and they're standing for something that is evil. And we cannot endorse that. We cannot apologize. We cannot reconcile with that. That is what we have to fight against. That's what we have to teach our children and the people in our uh, church, the members, the congregants in our church, against. uh, With with uh, a lot of clarity, and um, and making sure that people know where we stand, because. Uh, If they don't, then uh, we're just as bad as the rest of them. And another thing that I'm very disappointed in, and and again, I try not to, I don't have expectations for people in the world. I don't have expectations for non-Christians. I don't hate the people out in the streets who are, uh, you know, smashing my car with a baseball bat, even though it's, you know, I would be permitted to do so. Um, But I don't hate them because I know that they're lost. I know that they're blinded. And I know that they're not representing Christianity uh, in any way. They're actually going against it, you know, and and I, I, I don't blame them. I don't hate them. I love that person. But the people that I find very hard to love and very hard to show mercy to are the people who are in high points, in high positions of influence uh, in the church, whether you're a mega church pastor or a big Christian influencer, and you're, you're putting on this show of being a Christian and then when the going gets tough, you disappear or you say something stupid on Twitter or you post something very ambiguous on Instagram or you share this or you share that. Those are the people that I have. I find a very hard time uh, just liking, for example, because and I'm very critical of them. And I know I got to kind of get some self-control on that, but I'm very critical because they are setting a bad example to young believers out there uh, first of all, they're setting a false example to the world, and then they're setting a bad example to the people uh, in their circles of influence in their church, and you're just leading people astray. For example, and 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 this is I find this so funny. Um, there were a lot of uh, you know pastors and influencers that you know after the overruling happened last Friday, how they responded was um, they didn't even like celebrate it the fact that it, it happened. I know I know there were some people who did, some people who were silent, but the people in the middle. What they did was like and this is how they started every their their caption or on Twitter or their post on Instagram this is how they started while our you know quote in, in open quote while our institution and our church you know uh celebrates or protects the saint or promotes the sanctity of life uh you know our job has just begun we have to fund this we have to fund that we have to do the, the it's like yes you're right i understand that there's a lot of work that the church needs to do but why don't you pause for 5 seconds you know what? put two posts up You know, Instagram doesn't charge you for putting a post up. So put one post celebrating the fact that, you know, woohoo, we just, you know, God did a great move here and then wait five minutes because I don't think anyone's going to die in five minutes. Wait five minutes or five seconds or whatever, and then post your, your follow up, then post your call to action. But why do you feel the need? Why do you, and and, and again, it's under the guise, it's under the facade of being loving and doing this, but I promise you it comes from a position of fear. The reason why they don't want to exclaim whenever God does a miraculous work is because they're afraid of how they're going to appear to their peers. They're afraid how they're going to appear to, their, um, to the fake or to the young Christians in their congregation, and they're afraid what they're going to lose from that and how they're going to be attacked. Either that or they're just greatly misled. You know, Regardless of what position or what um, category you fall in, you should not be a pastor. You should not be a Christian influencer. I'm sorry. You c- cannot act out of fear. And these people are acting out of fear in this situation with Roe v. Wade, and even today, as we see with uh, regarding homosexuality, there are certain pastors and influencers who are not willing to call it out. And a lot of people, uh, especially uh, I guess members of the laity, you know, the people in the church, um, who are greatly misled. You know, they believe that you know how can a pastor call it out? We're supposed to be loving to people. We're supposed to reconcile. I'm like, listen, guys. Jesus Christ, the only one, the only person who can reconcile dirty sinners like us to a holy God is is Christ Jesus. That's it. All right? I my position here here on earth, yes, to show loving kindness to people, to show uh Christ to people, but I want to direct them to Christ. I want to direct them to holiness, and I have to be firm in the truth. Yes, deliver the truth in love and in kindness. And if you want to be a positive influence to people, Um, it's not about sugarcoating the truth. All right. A lot of people think that I'm showing love and kindness by sugarcoating the truth. That is not the case guys. That is absolutely not the case. If you want to show people that you're a Christian in your workplace, uh, start with this show up on time, work hard, uh, take up extra work. Even if it doesn't mean you, you don't get a pay raise, uh, help them out whenever you can help them out. Um, if they need help carrying something to their car, offer to do that. Be consistent, treat everyone the same. That, I mean, if you want to show the loving kindness of Christ, I mean, that's that's Christ-likeness. That's what Christ did. That is what Christ did. Now, Christ obviously saw the wickedness in the heart of the Pharisees, and he called them out on it. Um, but but we have to be consistent, guys. Obviously, we can't see into people's hearts, but we have to deliver the truth of the gospel to these people. And, um, you know, I, I took like a whole, I had some notes here, and I went like on a whole tangent sidebar thing. But um, just a, just a couple of notes. Again, and I'm, I'm going to re- reiterate this because this is the kind of the, the theme of the episode. Um, we love, we as people, as Christians, we love the soul. I, you know, we love souls. We love people regardless of um, the state that they're in and and, and and the way that we show love is by delivering the truth uh, with them and, and being love loving and not being hypocritical, right? We love the soul, but we hate every other banner that does not belong to the Lord. There is one singular banner, the banner of Christ. Every other sinful banner that this world system has developed, that the enemy has conjured, we hate. We, you can love the gay person, but you have to hate gay pride. You can love the soul who is living in that lifestyle, but you have to hate LGBT. And I, I don't know if I'm going to get flagged for this. Um, if I am, then you know I, I'll take that as a compliment. But that's the truth, guys do not reconcile, uh, do not, do not uh, you know uh, give into your boundaries, do not uh, do anything that Christ wouldn't do, yes, be kind to them, treat them the same, you know, and, and if you want to, uh, I know a lot of people say like, you know, oh, I want to hear your perspective, let's just hear your story, um, okay, that's fine, but the purpose of hearing their story um, should be, I guess, um, paired up with uh, you, know, you ministering to them. Every, I mean, don't fellowship with them for the sake of hanging out, fellowship with them, be with them, hang out with them so that you can minister to them, uh, either in your actions at first to get comfortable. And then eventually with your words and with the truth of the gospel. And the reason, again, the reason why I want to make this clear is because I see a lot of people falling into this trap. I saw a Christian influencer not too long ago. Um, it was this woman, she was giving like advice on something, but, um, I forgot exactly what she said, but she said if she had a, uh, you know, a gay neighbor with with their family, you know, and they, uh, sh- she would be open to having barbecues with them and and having their her kids exposed to that environment just so it can kind of open them up to the world so that they can see. I'm like, no, guys, no, do not expose your kids to anything. You have to brainwash. Your- if you don't catechize and if you don't brainwash your kids, guess what? The world is going to do that. In the education systems, in their workplace, in their universities, co- in their universities in the shows that they watch, in, in on social media, Hollywood, if you don't indoctrinate your kids, if you don't catechize your kids, and, and uh, although it sounds bad, if you don't brainwash your kids, the world is going to do that. And we have to be firm in what we believe. Yes, love your neighbor as yourself, but stand firm in who you are. Stand firm in who you are in Christ. We are His vessels we are a part of his body we are representing him here on earth to the people in the world who do not know the truth and the only way we can tell that that they can know the truth is if we tell them the truth so understand that yes god loves people but god hates sin the same way that we love we are supposed to love people we are also supposed to hate sin so that's kind of the end of my rant guys i just wanted to uh you know put that out there i know it's um it's always a uh, you know a difficult situation, and maybe some of you may disagree with me. And I'm you know I'm open to certain conversations if it's if it's done so um, you know I guess in a kind way, you know, not to be ironic in a way, but um, it's it's an important subject to talk about, just because a lot of people don't really know how to how to deal with the situation, especially in our community over here. Um, like I said at the beginning, we all agree in uh, in in the principle of of um, you know marriage being between one man and one woman, and sexual activity between being between one man and one woman who are married, right? Um, and we agree on that. However, we don't know how to navigate um, the the lives that, that we're living in right now, the, the culture that we're living in, the society that we're living in, the uh, different things that are being promoted in, in, in different areas, different environments. So uh, it's important to talk about this because, you know, we can't compromise. And and there's and I don't believe any of you who are listening kind of fall into this trap. I'm not, you know the examples that I gave. I don't think it's many of you. However, there are going to be other Christians that maybe you do ministry with who are going to judge you and call you out for not being loving. And you have to tell them like, listen, Christ is the reconciler here. I I'm the messenger. All right, I'm here to to show people that I follow Christ, that I love people, but I'm I'm here to deliver the truth as well. And this is the banner that I stand. And, and and the topic of banners, guys, wherever you go, the moment you step out of your house, actually, no, not even the moment you step out of your house, at all times, even if you're in front of your own kids, your own siblings, your parents, when you step out of your house, when you're in your schools, when you're in your workplace, metaphorically speaking, obviously, carry the banner of our Lord with you everywhere you go. Make sure that it is visible. Make sure that you show that you're celebrating in it. It's not something that you kind of... Um, you're tolerating, or you're you're trying to make an excuse for like a yeah. lot of these pastors that I talked about earlier, who are, uh, I guess, trying to appease both sides. Bring your banner with you. Let people know who you are. Carry your Bible in your hand. Let people ask questions. You know, I I've um I've started wearing a lot of merch recently, like Christian merch, uh, with you know my Jira hat or my Yeshua hat, and I have shirts that say that have Bible verses. And I you know I get a lot of I start a lot of conversations that way. A lot of people come up to me and say, Oh, I like your shirt. What does that mean? Um, I, I, had a, I have a hat that says "Tetelestai," which means it is finished in in the uh, ancient Greek that is written in the Bible. And people have asked me about that, and Christians and non Christians. And it's a very um, a very good conversation starter. But um, I'm not saying you know be a merch rat and buy all this stuff. But I'm saying whatever you do, and the way that you live, the way that you present yourself, the way that you speak, the jokes that you say or or laugh at. Um, and, Anything, even even bringing a Bible, let people know that you are carrying the Lord's banner with you, and that no other banner may be attached to you. And there's no such thing as uh, reconciling or uh, infusing two banners together, right? The Lord's banner stands by itself. It doesn't need to be attached. Uh, There's no rainbow flag that needs to be attached to it. There's no uh, BLM that needs to be attached to it. There's no political party that needs to be attached to it. Political parties, guys, can be can also be banners. BLM was a banner. Yes, do Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. Do White Lives Matter? Yes. Why are we putting lives over each other, and why are we putting emphasis on a certain life? But what they stood for, and you can check that out in my previous episode regarding Black Lives Matter. Um, that's that's what it really exposed them. It's 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 uh, it was not good stuff. So remember, guys, there are a lot of banners out there that we feel pressured to hold, pressured to express, pressured to to mount, and to celebrate, but there's only one banner that we should have attached to us, to our name, and that is the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope this was encouraging, guys. Um, You know, this month is almost over, but times are getting difficult, and I pray that, uh, you know, that, that we are steadfast in the Word, that we're steadfast in prayer, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are emboldened to not live our truth, but live the truth of Jesus Christ that lives through us, um, you know, as regenerate beings, you know, um, a part of the body, body of Christ, a part of the bride of Christ. And, um, you know, we're, we're excited to, to see God work, not only in this last ruling uh, last Friday, but um, as, you know, Justice Clarence Thomas <laughs> uh, alluded to uh, in other ways. And life is going to get difficult. The demons are screaming in the streets. Uh, the, the devils are running around but we as Christians have to be firm in our faith. And I pray again, by the power of the Holy spirit, that we are all firm in our faith and who we stand for and what we believe. So, um, that's all I got guys. Thank you guys for, for tuning in. Um, this was kind of just like a last minute thing. I slapped together. I didn't even mention like half of my notes, but, uh, you know, I, I believe that, you know, the spirit led this conversation and I, I hopefully can be beneficial for people who maybe. um, are a little confused on how to act in, in, in this certain context. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully I can get an episode soon regarding the Roe v. Wade, uh, ruling and just to kind of, uh, discuss the implications of the, of the future, I guess, uh, regarding the church and how we're, we're supposed to deal with this. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you can follow us for any and all updates on our Instagram account um streaming is available on multiple platforms most notably on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can tap the stars to really help with the exposure of the show and if you do have the Apple Podcast if you do have an iPhone if you do have the Apple Podcast app that purple icon uh you can tap on that as well and then go to the bottom and leave a written review and I can read that out loud on the show as well so thank you guys so much for tuning in I hopefully you have a you know a, a good summer um I'm going to try to sprinkle in some episodes uh throughout this summer I know I've been kind of inconsistent with this just uh, there are a lot of life changes happening right now. And, uh, hopefully I can share uh, some of that news with you guys in the upcoming months. Uh, it's, it's not marriage, so don't get too excited. Uh, but it, it is something big and, uh, hopefully, um, you know, with God's, uh, guidance, you know, everything, um, will go out to plan and go correctly. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and, uh, we will see you next time.